Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. It is September 23rd. I'm Dave Gasper, joined as always by Matt Carroll, and we are the guys at ReviewingTheBrew.com. We're heading towards the end of the season here, and the Brewers have had their magic number stuck at three for a little bit. A little bit frustrating uh, as they've gone through this series against the Cardinals, losing the first three games. Uh, and we're recording here before the final game of the series, um, which Matt will hopefully break the trend. Uh, Matt, we need you. I went to I went to games Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, and all three losses. I, I thought I could really kind of help things out, but nope, nothing. It's up to you now, buddy. We're going to try and break this stupid Cardinals devil magic curse today. I'm bring, busting out the Hero jersey, which is undefeated on the season. Um, shout unlike out, Keston way, Hira. unlike Keston Hira, um, but the Jersey has worked regardless, um, shout out to the game time app, by the way, who, um, when I purchased my ticket for today, they told me it was unavailable and decided they were going to just upgrade me to a different seat for the same cost. So, um, love those guys right now. They they are number one on my yeah. MVP list. Um, but yeah, it, I, I really thought when we recorded today, we were going to be talking about how. The Brewers had clinched, and we're just not quite there yet. Not quite. I mean, it's it's frustrating. You may need to bring a Bible with you to exercise like that cardinal <laughs> devil magic. You know, maybe some cloves of garlic or or something across, and just just go up to to Yadi or Molina or something. Be like, the power of Christ compels you. <laughs> I I don't think anything. He Yadi Molina is ancient like an old 200 year old vampire so that does seem like it would make <laughs> sense but I, I feel like he's indestructible i don't know if even that would work you never know get god take a take a bucket of holy water put it in the in the gatorade thing and just dump it on him see what happens then worth anything it's worth a shot it's worth a shot if anything you might just get him super annoyed uh and perhaps out of the game who knows all right so the Brewers still have a magic number of three. Um, they, they've clinched a postseason berth, so I suppose at the very absolute worst, uh, they would still be a wild card. But um, the odds of the Brewers not winning any sort of com- or, or the odds of there not being any sort of combination of the Brewers winning three games or the Cardinals losing three games the rest of the way seems pretty impossible. But the way the Cardinals are playing right now, it seems like they're never going to lose. I mean, they're on an 11-game winning streak. They came in extremely hot. They've stayed extremely hot. And the Brewers are extremely cold right now. I mean, this stretch, the offensively over the last week or so, it's been terrible. Like, I don't, I don't even know what's been going on. Like, like what is going on here? Yeah, I mean, it's Rowdy Tellez being gone, right? Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, but it, it is a little crazy considering, you know, we did get Adamus back um, recently and a lot of times, you know, lack of offense because sometimes been tied to him being missing in the lineup. Um, but the Brewers pitching kind of went through this at the beginning of the month uh, where kind of all the big major pitchers outside of Hader kind of had a moment where they blew up a little bit. Uh, Peralta coming off the IL um, Burns had kind of a, you know, a rough start by his standards. Woodruff did. Will Devin Williams had a bad outing. Uh, Boxberger did as well. And then they kind of got over and it felt like, OK, there's their, you know, little rough stretch that they just needed to get out of their system before the postseason starts. And now it seems like the same thing's kind of happening to the offense, um, which I guess it's best if they can get past it now again uh, and then get right by the playoffs. But I, I, I really didn't think it would be the Cardinals pitching that would cause our uh, offense to take a little bit of a step back. That's that I did not see coming. Yeah, it, it's been weird. I mean, you, you're watching games started by Miles Michaelis, and he's going, you know, seven innings, giving up just one run, and it's like, what is going on here? Like, like you're facing John Lester, uh, you're, yeah. you're facing Jake Woodford. Like, you you have a shell of a former good pitcher. You have a no name. You have another dude who ha- really has not been good outside of like one season. And these guys are just dicing you up. And it, it's been absolutely mind boggling to see this offense just so frustrated by some mediocre pitching. 
and they've shown some flashes. They've gotten some hard hits. Um, and they, there, there have been a lot of hard hit line drives right into outs. Like the, the Cardinals have had a whole bunch of doinkers and just little bloopers that fall in, little infield singles, things that find a hole. The Brewers have had numerous 100-plus-mile-an-hour exit velo lineouts that, that just end up getting caught. It's the strangest thing. Um, but then there's also Christian Yelich during all this. Now, in the previous few weeks, we've all been like, oh, is Christian Yelich back? He seems like he's back. He's hitting the ball the opposite way. He's getting some air underneath it. Uh, he's hitting it with authority. You know, he seems to be in, in a good spot, and he seems to be getting back. Over the last week or so, it feels like it's all been ground outs. And, like, if you look at the numbers, it's legit, like, 70% ground outs for Christian Yelich. And, like, the, the way he's going at it to play, I mean, you, you look at where some of these pitches are, they're on the outside corner. And he's rolling over and grounding him out to second. He's trying to pull a pitch on the outside corner, and he ends up rolling over. I mean, th- those are pitches previously he'd just shoot out to left field down into the corner for a double. And now, like, like I'm not sure what his uh, approach is up there, but if he's going up there trying to pull and he's and he's ta- seeing those outside pitches and trying to pull them, that's not a good strategy. That never has been a good strategy for Yelich or for anyone. Yelich has always been at his best when he goes the opposite way, and he's seeing those outside pitches, and they're pitching him outside, and he's just rolling them over trying to pull them instead of trying to shoot them the opposite way. Yeah, uh, man, he looked like he was right there, and now he's, uh, yeah, three for his last 34. He's got a single double, eight strikeouts in 37 plate appearances. So, you know, I guess that could be worse considering where he's been at at times. Uh, But you're right, it's exactly because he's, you know, just uh, hitting so many into the dirt right now that... I had seen recently that um, he was listed by a couple different, I, I believe it was an MLB network, um, by a couple different other guys as the most important person, you know, going into the postseason by one of the postseason contenders. And that's absolutely true. Um, if Christian Yelich can perform at even just average Christian Yelich levels, we know the Brewers can be extremely dangerous with uh, everything else that they have shown um, offensively since the Willie Adamas trade. But right now, he is not looking like Christian Yelich. He is looking like Jace Peterson before on base Jace levels. <laughs> Just strikeouts and ground outs. So I don't know. I it, That's one of the things that I know has been frustrating to him, obviously, but frustrating to us as Brewers fans is we've seen, you know, this MVP level guy plenty of times in the past and what the heck is it that just keeps not allowing him to sustain that success because at the very least this season you've seen more of those flashes and longer flashes where it seems like you know if he just keeps it going a little bit longer he's going to get into that groove everything's going to feel natural again and we'll have good old classic Yelich back but he just cannot quite get fully get over the hump he gets most of the way there and then you've got to set back like this three for 34 that he's in right now. Yeah, it's been a real slump for Yelich. And, you know, the, the strangest part of it all to me is that it's something that seems, at least based on you know what we've seen last week, something that seems so easily correctable. Like, as I mentioned, they were pulling the ball, you know, that, that's on the outside. Like, that's something you learn in Little League. You know, if, it, if it's, you know, hit, it, hit it's where it's pitched. You know, every... Every coach out there at, at any level has at some point told a player that, you know, hit it where it's pitched. If it's on the outside corner, hit it the opposite way. And Yelch has seen it on the outside corner and he's trying to pull it. And in the past, when he was like in his prime, like 2018, 2019, he would even have some pitches on the outer half and he would be able to pull them for home runs and, and get them in the air. He's not doing that right now. Um, and, and that's something where it's like, I mean, he certainly recognizes that. I mean, he's been pretty self-deprecating. He's been hanging around Uke a lot, um, but pretty (laughs) self-deprecating about himself. And it's like, if you know you're not able to do that and you're not able to show the power right now, why are you trying to pull that outside pitch? Just shoot it the opposite way. I mean, you know how to do it. You've done it plenty of times before. And, you know, it's not like, you know, this isn't fully armchair um, hitting coaching, but... 
like that's it's something he's done plenty of times before. It's something he knows how to do, and it's something that he can do quite easily. You know, it, it's not. Um, and I'm not asking for the world here. Um, and I'm not trying to, you know, say something, you know, is so easy when it's really impossible, but this is something that he can do pretty easily. Yeah. And if it was a case where, you know, it was like Ryan Braun when he had the year where it seemed like he was hitting everything hard and it just seemed was going right to people. Um, and, and it was, you know, a lot of us going, well, he's having a hard luck year. Um, everything should turn around uh, eventually. And then the next season, lo and behold, that's what happened. But it just, you just don't get that feeling because exactly like you said, like he's, he's not like, yes, he's by stat cast numbers, hard hit rate is still looking strong. His average exit velocity is still looking strong. So in the, in that sense, yes, he is hitting the ball hard, but just some of those fundamentally wrong hits are what worry people. And yeah, he and Braun used to be those guys where, um, oh, look at that beautiful opposite field hit. Oh, he just he went right with it just the way that you're supposed to. And those aren't the things that are happening right now. Yeah, I mean, and he's like, yeah, you can get those 104 mile an hour exit velocity things. But with a launch angle of negative 20, it goes straight <laughs> into the ground and it's it's worthless. Because, I mean, then once it hits the ground, I mean, the the speed of it decreases and it's just it, it doesn't really work. I mean, the, the 104 mile, mile an hour exit below when that's going throughout the air, that's great. That's helpful. But when you hit it straight into the ground, it's like, ooh, you hit it hard, but you didn't you didn't do anything with it. I mean, you, you didn't really even give your ch- give yourself a chance to succeed because you hit it directly to the second baseman. Um, and it's just not the Yelich that we're used to seeing. So Did you, that, have uh, you looked up recently what his launch angle is average for 21? Probably like negative six. <laughs> not quite that bad, but 3.4 degrees is what he's at currently. That It goes for his second lowest or his lowest since the 2016 season. Yeah, so since it, he was yeah. back with the Marlins. Yep. So, yes, I, I mean, even the numbers are showing it. So everything's going you know, straight to the ground for the most part. He is just not getting that lift that he normally needs to be successful. And it's because he's just, he's not going about it the right way on a lot of those, you know, like those outside pitches, like, you know, even like ones that are straight down the middle, it seems sometimes. Yeah. And he's watching them go by like uh, one of the games the other day, like it's literally first pitch, 94 miles an hour, right down the middle. And he just watched it. It's like, this is a pitch you need to be jumping all over it's a straight fastball right down the middle. This this is something that you turned on in the past and blasted 450 feet. Like he's he's so passive. I don't get it. I mean, it's um yeah, he's got like a 65 70% ground ball rate in the month of September. He's never previously had any month um over 50% ground ball rate in his career. Um it's just God, I I don't I don't, and we were so close too, like where Yelch was before. He was right there. I mean, he was he was hitting the ball hard, hitting it a little bit more up in the air, um, less with the ground balls. And he's like, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling back. And you know, it's just that kind of, that kind of final step to add the power. And instead, he's just he's falling right back down to almost. It seems like almost worse than where he was before. I mean, it, it. He was right there, right on the edge, and now it's and now it's gone. Like, like as as quick as he found it, it's gone again. Yeah, that, we we got to have it. He's got uh, about a week and a half, two weeks, whatever, to figure it out going into the postseason. Got to spin it around, bud. Yeah, one guy that has figured it out is Avisel Garcia. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's had a phenomenal season this year, 2020. Eh, pretty forget, pretty forgettable. Uh, just two home runs at like 238, I think. Uh, now this year he's hitting 270. He's got 29 home runs, far and away a career high, um, and he should get 30 before the end of the season. He hit number 29 on Wednesday night against the Cardinals, uh, a booming home run to dead center, and that home run was quote unquote officially the 1,050th of Abby Garcia's Brewers career um, once you uh, multiply what happened last season. So that means 
Avisel Garcia's contract option, his club option for next year, turns into a mutual option, which means that both the Brewers and Garcia have to agree for him to come back uh, next season at $12 million, not just the Brewers. So if Garcia wants out, he can do so and become a free agent. And Matt, based on how he's performed this season, based on the construction of the Brewers outfield and the fact that they're going to be stuck with Jackie Bradley Jr. next year, I think it's a very high likelihood that Avisil Garcia opts out now that he's reached a mutual option. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, And I think it's one of the big parts is exactly what you mentioned there. Um, the Brewers outfield construction, not only do they have, will they have uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. coming back? Um, we, we know that's happening at this point. Um, you've also got Tyrone Taylor, who's looked very impressive this season and will likely be fighting for more playing time himself, um, which makes it a little bit easier, I guess, to absorb a loss like this. But um, this is exactly what the Brewers were hoping out of Avi Garcia um, when they signed him was that he could return to that 2017 level. And when he was an all-star and kind of, you know, tap into some of that magic and man, he's got his OPS up to 843, which is um, his best since that season um, slugging 506, which ties his career high currently um, all about to hit the 30 home run club, which is amazing. Um, it just, what more can you ask of the guy? Um, but I, I think, you know, kind of like you pointed out too, it, it would be smart of him if he's looking for a long-term contract, you know, he just hit uh, 30 years old. He, he's running out of time to get one of those. And that's not what the brewers are going to give him. If, you know, they would probably bring him back on that option year and then, you know, look to move on um, because they are going to have, you know, Yelich's contract kicking in here. Um, They're going to be looking to pay some of their younger players. Long-term is not what Avi is going to get with the Brewers. And so it's hard to imagine that he's not going to look elsewhere. I'm sure he loves it here. Um, It it would be a little tough, I'm sure, to part with um, Adamas, who the two are good friends. And Adamas is going to be here for a while himself um, because we've got him under a bunch of control. But as the smart business move, if I were Avi, yeah, I'm going to be looking for that long-term contract. Yeah, and at the very least, I mean, you you can look for some leverage there if you're Avi, um, and maybe try to, you know, I, I wouldn't think he'd close the door at all. Um, but you know, hey, it's like I want more than just one year at 12 million. You know, want a a two or a three or or a four-year deal. Want to get paid, you know, what he should. And perhaps Adamus could be enough to, you know, want him to be like, you know what. I like it here. I uh, got some really good friends here, especially Adamus. Um, you know, really good clubhouse. Really enjoy playing here. Perhaps I'll take a discount to to come back and stay. Um, that's possible. I I don't think it's particularly likely, but it's but anything's possible. Um, especially if Brewers win the World Series. If we get there, knock on wood, um, <laughs> then it may may be more likely for him to want to come back. But yeah, it's just. It's going to be so tough uh, to to sign Avi to a long-term deal, knowing, as you mentioned, you got the Yelich contract kicking in, paying some of the younger guys, and what they have done in the farm system mm-hmm. uh, that's ready to come up. I mean, you got guys, Garrett Mitchell, um, who should be ready in a year or so. You got uh, Hedbert Perez. You got Joey Weimer. Uh, Corey Ray is still down there, uh, around there. Um like you got a bunch of guys that are going to be ready to come up and, and see some big league opportunities. And if you have a, you know, mid thirties, Avi Garcia under contract for a large amount of money, it's very difficult to clear the decks and, and get some playing time for them. So um, I, I just don't see them going for something uh, too long term. You know, I, I think a, a one year thing, well, it would have been perfect for the Brewers because then, after that, Jackie Bradley, Lorenzo Cain, Abby Garcia, they're all up after next year. And then you can have the decks cleared, bring in the younger core, the younger group, and just kind of start fresh in that outfield. But now I think I think they're going to have to search for someone else as a one-year stopgap, perhaps, uh, for Abby this offseason. Yeah, and I suppose there is also a little bit of the wild card 
of we don't exactly know what I guess the market is going to look like for mm-hmm. free agents um, and big signings this offseason. Obviously, it was um, there were a lot of guys who you know had to settle last offseason um, who ended up not signing at all. But that was also coming off the COVID year. So, you know, I think we had a feeling that a lot of teams weren't going to super spend in the offseason. It just ended up being even harsher than we imagined. Um, so will that, you know, fully recover? Will it look like a normal signing type of offseason? Will it not? Will it be something in the middle? You know, that could potentially affect things. And maybe, you know, if Avi doesn't secure something long term, he does come back for a one year or something like that. I don't know. Um, but I, I think it's fair to say that it probably starts off with him declining that option at the very least. Yeah. And plus you have the collective bargaining agreement that is up at mm-hmm. the end of this year as well. And uh, with the agreement that they could come to, uh, that, that could dramatically change for agency. It could dramatically change his market. Uh, it, it could change really kind of uh, uh, everything with, with how the sport is run, depending on how much they want to really change in the CBA. Um, so that could also um, be a holdout there for free agency. We don't know what changes it's going to make. We don't know if they're going to agree to a deal on time, if there's going to be a lockout, if, if players are going to be signed during such a lockout uh, or what they're going to do. So we'll see. But Abby Garcia has reached that threshold uh, of plate appearances. The option is now mutual instead of club and the Brewers can say, yes, we want you back at $12 million all they want, but if Avi doesn't want to, um, or if he wants to test the waters, he can do so. And poetically enough, he reached that threshold on that on that home run. I mean, could you get anything more perfect than that? <laughs> uh, no. I mean, it it's just beautiful, especially considering, you know, he's been that bat it seems like that we've relied on really all year outside of, you know, yes, you've had, you know, Colton Wong, who's been strong at times. Luis Arias is all of a sudden a power hitter. It turns out we saw that coming. Yeah. Um, Willie Adamas has been Willie Adamas at times. Um, but really, you know, outside of maybe, let's say, Omar Narvaez, who's been consistent when it's come to a big, big bat, Avi's the guy that the team has called on and he's the one who has come through. So absolutely perfect that it happened on a bomb. Yeah, so now the Brewers just need to kind of figure out that that outfield situation. And if anyone can retool an outfield, it's David Stearns. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he just loves retooling outfields, even when he has no reason to. You know, <laughs> like it's like, hey, we've got all these super great young outfielders um, here in here in 2018. What should we do? I know. Let's sign Lorenzo Cain and trade for Christian Yelich. Yeah. Okay. Sure. It turned out to to work out because most of those prospects did not, um, and Kane and Yelich did, or at least Yelich was. Now I don't know what Yelich is right now. It's just <laughs> it's a mess. He dropped down to the five spot the other day. We haven't talked about that yet. Um, Yelich in the five hole. Thoughts on that? It's just it's weird not seeing him you know, anywhere from one to four. Right. And it does look like uh, the lineup card for today just came out. I believe it said he's back at number three. Um, so he is back in a normal spot. But I mean, you when you're a team that's I'm not going to say the Brewers are slumping. I wouldn't go, you know, put it that far. But when you're struggling a little bit offensively, um, you're trying to, you know, just figure something out. Um, you got to put, you know, your best foot forward. And right now it's not Yelich. So, um, you know, whether it's to try and uh, initiate some offense, whether it's to, you know, quote unquote, send a little message to Yelich. I don't know if that's necessarily it, but just for, you know, oh. uh, just to say it, um, whether just trying to spark something, you know, give it a shot. Now's the time to do it. Um, you know, try and get a little something going for the team. And, um, but it, you know, like I said, he's, he's back in a normal spot today. So, um, we'll see if that helps. Yeah. He just, He's got to get the ball up in the air and, and stop trying to pull up. up. We're already past that. Anyways, um, so with um, w- with us kind of talking about the outfield here, as, as we kind of get to the postseason, Jackie Bradley Jr., I mean, we, we've talked about him. You know, he was a you know big free agent signing. Has not worked out, especially offensively. Um, just 
been an atrocious month. Um, he's got two hits for the entire month of September, and we're over three weeks in. And he's played a large amount of it. Um, it it's been rough all season. He hasn't really had a single hot stretch at the plate, uh, which we were told he could go on. He hasn't had one yet. Um, his defense is, is good, you know, as always. Great defensive center fielder. Um, strong throwing arm. Hasn't been quite as accurate um, the, his past few big throws, but he brings a lot with speed. He brings a lot with defense. But when it comes to the postseason roster, we're cutting down two spots from the current active roster. Should Jackie Bradley Jr. make the Brewers postseason roster? Heck, should Jackie Bradley? So that's an interesting wording. Should he make the postseason <laughs> roster? Um, I mean, oh, based off that, I mean, what does he give you offensively at this point outside of a absolutely late running nothing. appearance? I mean, you're right. Um, it's should he make it? You know, no. I feel like there are other options that would be more useful for the team um, outside of a guy who essentially is going to be just a defensive specialist. Will he make the roster is a more interesting question. Um, 26 players the Brewers get to carry into the offseason, um, and Council is known to go go more hitter heavy, um, which a lot of teams do because rotations shorten. Um, you don't need quite as many uh, pitchers out in that uh, on the roster. And so if you look at the roster right now, the Brewers have 13 offensive players on it, and that includes Jackie Bradley Jr. Um, that also includes Tyrone Taylor, who came back recently. Um, so if you're looking to add to those 13 players, um, you're going to get Rowdy Telez back, and he's obviously going to be on it. That increases you to 14. Um, that's probably a good amount to potentially guess that um, – council carries but what if he goes 15 well then maybe you're looking at i would say pablo reyes um you know as a you know uh utility guy pinch runner you know something like that um past that who else are you adding so i think the question is do you think the brewers go with 14 instead of 15 and if they go 14 do they possibly swap in reyes um over jackie bradley jr and i don't I don't know. I, I think I kind of sit 50-50 with that because I could see both ways. It would be nice to have um, Bradley to put into a game late when you're trying, when you've got the lead, trying to lock it down defensively. Um, but it would also be nice to have Reyes for those late game situations. Um, I don't know. That's I guess that's where I stand on it. Um, what about you? Yeah, I mean, Reyes do, still doesn't provide much with the bat either. No. Um, and I think they'd be... I think they'd be more willing to bank on Jackie Bradley Jr. finding something and coming through offensively than Pablo Reyes, just because Jackie has more of a track record in the big leagues. Uh, he was the ALCS MVP one year, um, although he only had three hits in that series, but two of them were home runs. So that's how he ended up getting the, the ALCS MVP. Um, so, yeah, he only hit 200 in that series. He was three for 15. Um, and, and he won the MVP for it. So, you know, I, I'd still think they'd go with Jackie over that. Yeah. Should he make it? Um, you know, I, I don't particularly think so, or at least, okay, I'll put it this way. He should not get a single at bat in the postseason. <laughs> bring yeah. him in in the eighth or ninth inning and like a double switch or something as a defensive replacement, but ensure that he does not go up to the plate. Because he is just an automatic rally killer, like every single time. It is it has been so bad this season that you, you just you just can't trust him in that situation. The other day, um, when the Brewers needed uh, a run, needed some runs late, Jackie Bradley went out there and pinch ran for Daniel Vogelback, who was on third base. It's like, oh well, this is a great idea. That this is how Jackie should be utilized, and he ends up scoring on a sacrifice fly that. Vogelback may not have scored on. Um, so that was a good use of him. And I think that should be his usage in the future. Um, coming in late, maybe as a pinch runner, um, and, and then maybe put him out there as a defensive sub, depending on who he's running for. I mean, that's really kind of what you're you're limited to for, for Jackie. Yeah, considering 
we Brewers fans had to put up with Ryan Healy in the oh cleanup spot last season. I know you we brought up bringing that this up. Name. I know I brought it up again. <laughs> Wasn't it just last week we brought it up? Um, but considering this, 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 this is like Humperdinck to 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 Miracle Max in, in the Princess Bride. You promised you'd never say that name. What, Ryan Healy? Ah, Ryan Healy, <laughs> Ryan Healy. Look at all the references you get on this podcast, guys. Yeah. Um, but Princess Bride is a classic. Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, we will. There will be no Princess Bride slander on this pod. I will absolutely have know that. No, not ever. Um, but considering we had to put up with that last in last year's playoffs and last year's very offensively challenged playoffs, I am 100% in favor of Craig Council putting the absolute best possible offensive lineup out there. I know we had uh, just nasty situations to deal with that lineup uh, towards the end of the season last year. Braun was hurt, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, uh, oh, yes, no, I don't want any of those types of players anywhere near that starting lineup this year. Best foot forward and pedal to the metal with whoever it is we end up playing, whether it's the Giants or the Dodgers in that first round. Yeah, and if Kane is is not healthy to go in center field, put Tyrone Taylor out there. Yeah. I don't care. Put put Tyrone in the lineup. I would much rather see him out there than Jacob Bradley Jr. at, at this point. I mean, it's been – God, it's been atrocious. Like, like, like there, there's just kind of no way around it. Um, but, yeah, and, and Kane – Kane is getting old. I mean, you, you saw when he made that catch the other day and he crashes into the wall, then he misses the next few days with general body soreness. It's like, you could tell he kind of got up and he's like, I'm too old for this shit. You know, <laughs> like he, he's getting to that point. Um, and, you know, he's had the, the lower body injuries kind of all throughout the season, just kind of, you know, smaller ones here and there. Um, and, but but Kane is important. I mean, Kane has been hitting hitting the ball pretty well. He's obviously not been you know at his 2018 level. Uh, I don't think he's going to get to that level again. But he's been productive when he's been out there. He's shown a little bit of pop. Um, he's he's hitting consistently. He's getting on base fairly consistently down there at the lower end of the lineup. Um, so he's someone that that I think has also been an extremely valuable, extremely important piece for this roster. Um, because his success has really kind of led to the Brewers being able to to roll with him and letting the situation figure itself out. Because remember in spring training, and everyone's like, oh, how are we going to get at-bats for all these guys? Well, with the way Kane is playing and, and how he's hitting the ball well and the way Jack Bradley Jr. is not, it kind of settles uh, a lot of a lot of things. Yeah, you can never have enough outfielders. That is Young, controllable talent can never have enough outfielders. That is uh, yeah. David Stern's two mantras. Um, it, it, side note, I, I looked up uh, after Kane fell to the ground and was taking forever to get back up um, and looked like he was approximately 85 years old. I, I, <laughs> just to go ahead and look up uh, a little age comparison and come to realize that I'm actually three years older than Lorenzo Cain, which it just doesn't feel like is possible. And, but also goes to explain a lot of those aches and pains that I have in the morning doing much, much <laughs> less activity than him. So, I mean, yeah, it's crazy. It's almost as if you aren't a professional athlete. I know the last however it, many years. Just imagine. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Weird. Crazy. But I, I, I feel like, I feel like we got like a lean back moment coming in this postseason. I, I just, I get a feeling he's going to provide us with a big one uh, once we yeah. hit the postseason, and I cannot wait for it. Like you did with the Royals back in uh, 2015. Yes, sir. Yeah, if, if we could get some of that Royals 2015 magic, um, I'd be okay with that because that was the year that they won the World Series. So if they can get that, I'll I'll be happy. I don't care whatever the hell else happens. You know, <laughs> it'll be it'll be like Bucks fans. It's like I don't care what happens. We won it all. So screw everybody. <laughs> Maybe that's the would actually be strong enough to counteract the Cardinals devil magic. Yeah. Yeah. That, that That's what we need. Um, but yeah. And Kane has one more year on his contract mm-hmm. and I don't know about you, but I got a feeling that next year is going to be 
his last year, like overall? Like, I, I feel like he's going to retire after this contract. What do you think? I agree. I don't see him being the type of guy to like sign with a team to be a backup outfielder. Um, you know, he, he's a guy he wants to play. If he's going to come to the ballpark, he wants to play. He wants to play every day. You know, as many bumps and bruises and aches and pains that he has, you know, he is a gamer and he wants to be out there. So, you know, it, it, I don't think if some other team is looking to, you know, bring him in as a fourth outfielder, fifth outfielder, that that's something that he is interested in at all. And unless it's the Royals, the Royals yeah, are like the only team. Point. I could see because, I mean, Kane's a guy where it's like, oh, you know, he loved coming back to Milwaukee because, you know, it's the team he started with. You know, he loves kind of, you know, the the small market, the, um, you know, pretty loyal guy, loves the teams that he's with. He's not going to bounce around to whatever random team, uh, I don't think, and just sign a one-year deal to uh, be a backup. You know, I, I could see him, you know, going back to Kansas City, maybe a farewell tour, maybe help mentor whatever young guys that they got over there. Um, he's already going to be mentoring the young guys that the Brewers have here. I mean, he gets to mentor Tyrone Taylor every single day. Um, and next year, he'll have more opportunities to do the same to Garrett Mitchell and, and Sal Freelich and all those other Brewers outfielders that they have, where it's like, you can play center field. And it's like, you know, if the Brewers were looking for Mitchell or Freelich or Hedbert Perez or whoever to play center field going forward, well, Lorenzo Cain's as good of a guy to talk to as anybody. Um, so I could see him, you know, doing a little bit of that next year. And then even after he retires, um, whenever that is, he can still, you know, stick around, uh, come around the ballpark, come around spring training, talk to guys, whatever. Perhaps the Brewers would have him as a coach. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's, he's going to have opportunities there. Um, but that's still a year or so away. Um, we're, we're just going to continue with the outfield trend here, I guess. Carlos Gomez is back in Milwaukee. Yes. Um, that we got the wall of honor ceremony coming in, uh, this weekend, um, where, where he's going into the Brewers wall of honor. He's going to be hanging out with Willie Adamas, one of his good friends, um, who, and Gomez gave Adamas the blessing to wear number 27. So he left a lot of hits and a lot of energy in that Jersey. Um, and Adamas has certainly brought that. And now Carlos is going to be back in the ballpark. And if anyone is going to spark uh, this offense. Carlos Gomez has plenty of experience doing so. <laughs> oh my gosh! And and here I thought he was just coming to hang out with me since I was going to the game. I I, oh. I assume that's why I was coming back to town. No, I. You know what? Uh, I can only imagine you know seeing him up on the uh, scoreboard, something like that. Just like feeling that infectious energy. I loved. Gomez as a Brewers player. He was absolutely one of my like top three easily favorite Brewers players of all time. Um, it just what he did while he was here, the, you know, the energy and the, just everything he brought to the clubhouse. Um, and he's been, you know, a, a really friendly guy ever since then. He, you know, he's interactive. Um, just, oh, I, I, I can't say enough about that guy. Um, and you know what? You know, maybe playing the Mets and their current uh, two and eight streak that they're on would help uh, inspire a little bit of offense as well. So, you know, maybe that's just some uh, good coincidental timing there. Yeah. Also coincidental how the Brewers almost traded Gomez to the Mets and that whole trade fell through. (laughs) And we ended up with Josh Hader. I didn't even think of Adrian Hauser. Oh, yeah. And the the even funnier part of that is when that trade falls through. So the Brewers send uh, Gomez and Mike Fires to Houston, and then Fires ends up blowing the whistle on the Houston cheating scandal. Yes, sir. Which involved Carlos Beltran, who was just hired as the Mets manager and who ended up having to get fired before he even managed his first game because Mike Fires blew the whistle because Mike Fires went to Houston because the Mets declined the trade for absolutely no reason at all. What goes around comes around. There's a lot of Charlie Day, Pepe Sylvia things going on in the background, trying to connect (laughs) all the dots here. It's, (laughs) it's pretty straightforward when you think about it. It's it's just following a timeline. Yeah. Super simple. Yeah. Super. Um, But Hey, Mets are going to Mets. 
Um, and that's just that's just gonna happen. Remember um, when they had actual hope this season? <laughs> things look things look so. Have they ever actually the had match. actual hope? For like two months, I think, yeah. until things started going. It's like, oh, Steve Cohen, look at that. He it looks like he just like changed everything coming in, and yeah. the Mets are leading the division, and glorious times are ahead. And then the, as you said, the Mets are gonna Mets. So we haven't talked about this yet, I don't think, on here. Um, but over this past week, it mm. was reported that the Mets have Brewers president of baseball operations, David Stearns, on their short list of candidates for their president of baseball operations opening. So this is probably the second or third time that they have tried, that they're going to try to pry away David Stearns from the Brewers to lead their operations. And we all know Stearns grew up as a Mets fan. We all know he was an intern in their front office several years ago, back in college or something. Um, And we all know they want him. Um, But we also all know Mark Atanasio doesn't want him to leave and won't allow him to leave if he can do anything about it. Um, So this is a situation where, I mean, it'd be a lateral move so Stearns can block it. Um, it was reported that his contract, Stearns' contract, is up after the 2022 season. So he's got one more year reportedly on his contract. Don't know if that's true or not. The Brewers are very tight-lipped about those sorts of things. Um, so it could just simply be a false report. But the Mets are trying for Stearns again. Um, do you see any sort of chance, Matt, that Stearns could leave Milwaukee for New York? I mean, I, I don't think it's impossible. Uh, I think he would be hard-pressed to leave if the Brewers get really close to the World Series but don't finally win it because then there'd be a bit of a job-left-undone feeling possibly for him. Um, but I, I felt like, if anything, like in the past, it's just been a name connection. And this was one of the first times that a story almost felt like, okay, this actually has a little bit of realness to it um but who are the other two names i know theo epstein was one of them theo epstein and billy bean billy bean that's right um and bean's been in that you know in his position for so long that i could see him you know wanting something different um stern's i mean yes we've had him for a while but you know he's still kind of just a a baby in the grand scheme of things uh he's still under 40 i think yeah and so, you know, I could see him wanting to get here and, you know, finish what he's built and have it finally be realized as a World Series championship. Um, but I, I, I certainly wouldn't put it as a zero percent chance. Um, and the Brewers are lucky that they do have, you know, Matt Arnold, who's been um, being kind of groomed as that successor. Um, he's as much a part of these moves as Stearns is, it seems, um, for everything we ever hear. And so I think the Brewers would be in good hands should that happen. Um, I, I still think the chances are very low. I think I, I think he's still in the process of really getting to where he wants to go with this franchise, Stearns is, um, and that he's going to want to stick around to um, see it to completion. But, I mean, crazier things have happened, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Um as you're kind of alluding to, I think the only chance there is for him to leave is if the Brewers win the World Series this year. Mm-hmm. Well, like if they win it all, he can feel, OK, my challenge has been completed. I proved you can win a World Series in a small market with this method. Um, going to leave you in good hands now with, with Matt Arnold and I'm going to take on a new challenge because after you win the World Series here, what's the next challenge? Win it again. It, it's it's yeah. the same challenge, essentially. Um so perhaps he could look for for something different there. Um, but even then, you know, e- like even if the Brewers won the World Series and the Mets come call and say, hey, we want to interview you. We want you to 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 lead our baseball operations. You know, I, I think there's a lot of reasons for Stearns to say no. I mean, the, the temptation to go to your childhood team is real. Well, like, say, hypothetically, I was the GM of, I, I don't know, the Arizona Diamondbacks. Let's say I was a GM out there and the Brewers had an opening and they called and said, hey, we want you to to be the GM of the Brewers. 
that'd be very that'd be very tempting. That'd be very mm-hmm. tough to say no, no matter how much I liked it out in Arizona or, or whatever. Um, so that that could that could definitely be tempting for Stearns. But there's also a lot of other reasons to not want to, even even if he does win the World Series this year. Um, first of all, Stearns hates the media. He hates talking to them. <laughs> yeah. He hates them trying to get scoops on what he's doing and getting rumors and putting them out there about him. He thinks he has a bad, like he thinks he had a bad Milwaukee with like Robert Murray getting some scoops, friend of the podcast, Robert Murray. You got six or seven Robert Murrays out there in New York. Like you got plenty more trying to get stuff from you, plenty more people willing to leak. Um, and it's going to be very tough to go about that, your operation the way you want to going about it in secrecy. Um, it, it's just not going to happen. Stearns got married here in Milwaukee, mm-hmm. started a family here in Milwaukee. He's got, he's got one kid. I'm not sure if he has two now, um, but he's got a family, a very young family here. Would he really want to uproot them from suburban mid from the suburban Midwest and move them to downtown New York? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's another tough thing to do, uprooting your family and moving to, to a larger city like that. I mean, the Mets are a shit show, and Stearns cannot change that all by himself. I mean, I mean there is n- nothing he can do to change that around. I mean, there, there's been all throughout that organization, you know, even just bringing him in. I mean, that's just going to be a massive cultural change he's going to have to bring about and it's like, is that something you really want to to take on? Like, you know, the Mets? That's I feel like that's just so much there. And for Stearns, I feel like he's he's gonna be super comfortable with the job that he has and where he is and the support that he gets from from ownership and, and from um you know the the fans and, and from the team that he has and what he has built. I just I don't find the Mets job all that appealing. He may, um, because it was his, his childhood team, um, and there may be you know a, a draw once to get to that level of going to one of the larger markets. But I think there's so many reasons for Stearns to say no, um, more so than there are reasons for him to say yes. Yeah, those last two points um, I think were really good ones. Yeah, who has had success with the Mets? Like, as good as Stearns is, uh, what's to say he's going to be the one to be able to walk in there and actually be able to turn things around? Um, and then if you don't, you know, then what? You had this great situation with Milwaukee. Um, and, you know, th- these are always some of the, you know, the what ifs that anyone has when trying to, you know, think about going to a new job. What if it doesn't work out as well as I have right now? You know, I'm comfortable. Um, what if I'm all of a sudden uncomfortable there? But that said, again, you know, like who's to say that as good as he is, he's the one who can actually get the job done there. Um, but also, yeah, he outside of Adonazio, you know, stepping in here and there and being like, hey, you know, I want us to try and get this done. Stearns basically has the authority to do whatever he wants for the most part. He's got to still clear it with ownership. Yes. Um, but really, Stearns is allowed to run this team the way Stearns wants to run this team. And that is a real hard thing to let go. Yeah, yeah, it, it absolutely is. I mean, when you have such such a good situation, I mean, yeah, you want to push yourself outside your comfort zone and you, and you want to move on up and do whatever else. But he's essentially at the top of the mountain here. I mean, it's it's hard to give up that view and try to go like go climb down the mountain you're on and go to a different mountain and try to climb up that one. Like that's, it's so difficult to do. And it may not be something that, that he's really all the, all that interested in doing. We, we know Aunt Nazio is not interested in letting him go. So as long as Stearns doesn't, you know, cause I think Buster Olney or something uh, mentioned this in like their article where it's like Stearns could, you know, try to leverage it's like, well, you know, if you won't let me go, I won't sign a contract extension. You know, I'll just, you know, do whatever. And, you know, I, I want to leave anyways, blah, 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 and, and try to pull whatever. Um, you know, it, it's really up to Stearns. And, and if he if that's an opportunity he wants to pursue, um, then he'd tell Atanasio, it's like, hey, this is something I want to pursue. I want to head out um, or, or have the opportunity to head out and, you know, let let them – 
interview me because otherwise I won't sign a contract extension or or whatever. And then, you know, that that could completely change the game. But if Stern says, I don't want to go, I'll sign a contract extension. I'll, you know, I'll sign whatever to, to stick around here. Adnazio is going to block that. I mean, it's it's pretty simple. You know, as, as long as Stearns wants to stay, I'm pretty sure Adnazio will have him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the the uh, formula for success for the Brewers of Adonazio Stearns Council has been extremely successful for years. I, you know, we've seen the most sustained success that this franchise has ever had in its history. Um, if there's any way to keep that together, of course, as a smart businessman, Adonazio is going to try and do that. And let's hope as Brewers fans that that's exactly what happens. Yeah, exactly. So it's going to be interesting to see if any more of these rumors really kind of pop up. Because, as we said, that we know the Mets want them, obviously, for, for obvious reasons. Um, but if if there's anything, like, to it, we'll obviously be hearing more about it. But, I mean, even the, the Billy Bean report, I mean, I just saw something the other day where there's no active discussions between the Mets and, and Oakland about Billy Bean and um, things like that. So, you know, perhaps they, they need to be looking at, you know, different different situation. Um, and looking outside of their shortlist because um, if the if Bean's not available, if Stearns isn't available, then you know they're they're gonna have to look to to something different. Um, all right, one final thing I kind of want to touch on here: um, the Cy Young race. Corbin Burns is in the thick of it, um, obviously. So it's between him. And Max Scherzer at this point, I think. Because Walker Bueller, his last start, he faced the Colorado Rockies, went three and two-thirds, gave up five runs. Uh, so his ERA is up over two and a half now. Um, and he's, you know, kind of been struggling his last few starts out. And that kind of leaves it down to Burns and Scherzer, uh, I would think. And Scherzer has pitched extremely well. Burns has pitched well. His last start wasn't super great, although it still was a quality start. Um, so it's going to be tough for some voters, but considering how close Burns and Scherzer are in innings, I think the dominance of Burns, obviously I think this, but the dominance of Burns uh, should give him the edge, in my opinion. But I am slightly biased. You are as the driver of the or conductor, conductor, I should say, of the Corbin Burns hype train, of course. Um, yes. So as a, I guess, slightly more unbiased, even though I'm a Brewers fan, so I'm not that As a passenger of the Corbin fan. Burns for yeah, as a passenger, train. We'll call it that, yes. I, I don't know how you can't go with Burns based off of the numbers, based off of some of the historic things he did to start the season, that walkless streak that um, that was seen on national TV, by the way, that was uh, one of the YouTube games uh, from early on. Um, the fact that he has 10 less innings than Max Scherzer, but is a full almost two war ahead of him. I mean, that goes to show just how the compilation of stats really does favor Corbin Burns. And yet... There is this part of me that's been burned so much in the past that is almost certain that the name recognition of Max Scherzer and the big market that he's in is going to just hand him that Cy Young. I just I just have this terrible feeling that Burns is going to get Burns. Sorry, everyone, for that. Oh, um, man. And so it's going to end up going to Scherzer. I know. I, I couldn't help myself. And that it's going to end up going to Scherzer. I Am, am I wrong to feel this way? We've seen this movie in the past, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole number of voters who would just who would just be completely swayed by, well, this Corbin Burns guy is relatively new to the scene. Max Scherzer has already won it several times before. We know he's super good. Uh, and he plays for the Dodgers. Let's well, let's mark Max Scherzer, you know, yeah. and I could totally see a whole bunch of them doing that. Um, so that's why I think it, it's going to be close because there's going to be still a number of voters who will just look at the dominance of Burns and be like, it has to be him. Um, but yeah, there are going to be some that are going to be swayed by the fact that it's Max Scherzer 
Mm-hmm. Um, even though Burns has had clearly the more dominant season. Um, so it's, it's going to be tough, but, um, I, I do think, I do think there's one thing that could potentially play into his favor. And that's that Bueller could possibly pull some votes from Scherzer being on the same team. I don't think Bueller's totally out of it yet, even though he had that rough outing. Now that said, you could essentially say that Woodruff could possibly have the same effect on Burns, but I don't think it would be to the same level. Um, I don't know that. I, I think Burns and Woodruff are now a bit farther apart than Scherzer and Bueller are. So let's hope maybe some, you know, big Bueller fans maybe uh, take their vote away from Scherzer, who weren't going to give it to Burns in the first place anyway. And that, you know, maybe that ends up helping them out. I think it'll be an interesting vote. I really do. I don't think yeah. there's clearly not any runaway winner. And you've got a lot of people who, you know, whether right or wrong, are big Zach Wheeler fans, too. He'll snag a few here and yeah. there. Yeah, perhaps those voters will put – I mean, they get five uh, names they can put on. Mm-hmm. So perhaps they go, you know, Bueller at two and, and Scherzer at, at three – And that's, you know, less points for Scherzer because he's now a third place vote instead of a second. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's going to push down his his point total. Um, But if you got Burns at one, he he starts to to run away, run away with it there. Um, So that's going to be an interesting race. Obviously, we're on the side of Corbin Burns winning it. Um, That's what we want to happen. Um, I I think the Brewers are in a position to, to land a number of Cy Youngs over the next few years. Um, but yeah, he certainly separated himself from Woodruff. Uh, Woodruff has kind of fallen off the pace uh, for Cy Young a bit here. Uh, same thing with Freddie Peralta. You know, we thought, oh, maybe there could be, you know, three top five or, or top ten, you know, Cy Young uh, placement uh, here in the Brewers rotation. But uh, those two have really kind of fallen off the pace for that. So, you know, Woodruff will probably still be like top ten. Mm-hmm. I, I, I could see, um, but. Maybe even top five. Eh, I don't know about top five. But he could still be top ten. Um, and I think Burns can and, and should win the whole thing. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, I I don't see – none of us see any reason why it shouldn't happen. Um, let's see if he actually gets there. A couple of strong starts down the stretch could seal the deal for him. And maybe, just maybe, you know, Scherzer – drops off a little bit. I don't know if it'll line up that we'll face him in that uh, final three-game series. I would be surprised if we did, but if we did, you know, we could help Burns' case by beating up on him a little bit. I I think it's currently slated for Burns to face Kershaw in that series. Um, I'm not sure if they're going to face Scherzer at all, Um, but that's something where, yeah, it certainly could match up because, I mean, Corbin Burns faced Jacob deGrom earlier this season in a, uh, in a double header. Um, and I think Burns outdueled him, but the offense failed him in extra innings and they lost. Um, so that was really kind of, uh, deflating, uh, seeing but not surprising. Yeah. But not surprising. I mean, that, that was way back, what, June, July, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there, there's a lot, a uh, lot going on there. So yeah, I'm not sure if they're going to end up facing him, but, uh, that, that would certainly be a, a great matchup to kind of end the season um, and, and kind of help decide that Cy Young race. Um, yeah. So that'd be, that'd be good. Um, did you see Eric Thames is back at the ballpark the other day? I saw it. That's such a beautiful picture. That's again, though, like, the vi- like did you see the video of, on his Instagram? I I saw a video somewhere of him just hammering a beer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they, they showed okay. they showed him on the jumbotron. And he's like, hey, you know, crowd's getting all amped up, and he just chugs a beer. I'm just like, this is exactly what we needed. And then we lost ten to two. And then it's just, <laughs> ugh. But we again, need to get James back out on the field. Yeah, no kidding. But again, it shows like I, I think how special everyone thinks this team is that you have you know a bunch of these guys, these veterans that were you know beloved here for years. Um, coming back to cheer this team on because even they are getting a sense that um, this 2021 Brewers team could be up to something. Yeah, for sure. So that, that's going to be a lot to keep an eye on as we head towards the end of the regular season. That'll do it for us this week on the Cold Brew Podcast. Be sure to follow Matt 
at mkemat13 and i am at dgasper24 and be sure to follow our podcast account at coldbrew underscore pod on twitter they'll do it for us this week we'll see you next week for another episode of the cold brew podcast